Welcome to the Start Me Up Podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Kareet Pennebaker. I absolutely adore him. He's a gun violence survivor. He's treasurer in the DNC Black Caucus. He's an amazing person, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. But before we get into it. The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Karee Pennebaker. Welcome back to the show, Karee. Oh, thanks for having me back again. It's been a long time. What's been going on with you? Uh, you know, I've just been trying to live the dream. Yeah? <laughs> In these crazy-ass times. <laughs> yes, there are. Um, well, you know, what have you... I, I know that I think... You said, and I don't remember if you said this publicly or not, that you were taking a little break from Twitter or something for a while. Did you go? Did you go through a period where you took a break? Yeah. So um, I was a uh, a Biden elector for Wisconsin uh, back in in 2020, and I, I was a, a Hillary elector as well in 16. Didn't okay. get a chance to do it then because of what happened there. Right. But then uh, in 2020, um, I was, you know heavily vested in politics uh both locally um and nationally being mm-hmm. a dnc rep that i just i wanted more and more attention i wanted to get more and more out front of the issue mm-hmm. uh, and advocating for biden um and when the death uh death threats started to happen oh, no. at first i took it like a badge of honor right they, they right. only want to do this to me because i'm right if otherwise mm-hmm. um you could take the regular non-violent channel of advocating your way and I advocate mine and we're both safe but they but at first it was just I just it didn't impact me and then the first thing that happened was there was uh the electoral um vote cast in Michigan and in Arizona where they had to make their the the uh uh those uh situations private because of the the Trump supporters and, and the threats that they were levying so then I got scared hmm. like wait a minute this is this is not cool and so then um, there were a lot of protocols put in place here in Wisconsin. Uh, we, we took secret tunnels. There was, oh I've never seen that many police officers in our state capitol before. There were police everywhere. Fortunately, only 10 people showed up to protest, but there was no way for them to interact with us because they couldn't get inside the building. Wow. Uh, and they couldn't even find where we were because of those secret tunnels. Uh, and then, so then it was, it was fun. You know, I did the CNN interviews and the Washington Post and New York Times thing. I got the attention then I was looking for, it. Mm-hmm. but then um, January 6th happened, and they stormed the Capitol, and, and you know we had five officers die. Well, uh, a couple uh, after the uh, the insurrection due to, uh, to suicide. So it made me think, like, if if they will do that to our Congress mm-hmm. men and women, what will they do to me? Mm-hmm. And I just it just it warped my mind and mm-hmm. made me so uh, just self conscious about where I'm going, who I'm with, what's happening, what's the event, are there going to be people who might be Republicans or Trump supporters? There? I had to, I was so keenly aware of where I was that it, I just got, like, trapped. Mm-hmm. And I, I, 
my mind was so warped at the time thinking constantly thinking that these trump supporters are going to kill me that it ended up ruining relationships it it caused me to like really retreat into myself and um i had to take a hard look at the things that i have been doing that while uh i didn't make them threaten me mm-hmm. but at the same time i put myself in a position where i could be threatened where my children could have been put in harm's way and i figured you know what this is not worth that Mm-hmm. Like I can do the work that I do now because you know that without being so boisterous about it, I don't. I don't need the attention I thought I did because the consequence can be can be violent and, wow. and, and deadly. And I just figured it's not worth that. So part of that process was me taking a step back from the social media presence I had, uh, both on Twitter, Facebook, all all the the platforms, and really just slow my life down. And that's exactly what I did. Wow. So. During that time, uh, were you able to find some kind of peace or happiness or anything positive or joyful? I had to go to therapy. Wow. Um, and sure, it wasn't yeah. until, uh, and thankfully, every time for gun safety uh, covered it, and they, and they still do. Um, it, it took probably, I think I started in March of 2021. It probably took till like June for us to really uh, peel away all of those layers to determine that they, the kind of uh, starting point or the, to use a bad cliche, the, the trigger for all this was January 6th. Yeah. And, and to some people, it might seem like that. Well, that's silly. But in my mind, it was real. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely real that I thought I was going to die. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I see now that the reality that I created wasn't real. The fear was real. Right. But the reality was not. Um, and, and thanks, I have a very good therapy, uh, very good therapist. In fact, I had a session two hours ago. Oh, wow. We, it's all, uh, it's, it's remote. Yeah. Um, so it, it really did work out well. In, in the end, it just took a lot of, a lot of work between he and I to get to this point. Man, I'm in a much better place today than I was uh, a year ago. Wow. That's just, it's terrible. It's terrible that that would even happen. And yeah. I mean, you've had a, you've had a rough time of it. So for you to experience this, on top of everything else that you've experienced in your life, and would you mind just for the for the viewers or listeners who don't know your story, could you just quickly talk about your mom so people can understand where you're coming from? Sure. So uh, my mom, uh, Joyce, uh, completed suicide with a gun on September 9, nineteen seventy nine or September 8th, 1979, <clears throat> excuse me, um, she was um, mentally unwell, uh, was very suicidal, and my grandfather had given her a, uh, a revolver for self-defense, and just as those statistics will tell you, you're more likely to use uh, a gun on yourself or someone you love than an assailant, and unfortunately, my mom was only 27 years old. Wow. I, was 20, uh, I was only 20 months old, and she shot and killed herself uh, and and left me behind, and it took me a very very long time to uh, to work through all of that and grieve and process mm-hmm. it um, to the point where I, I no longer blame her. Uh, I don't blame the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do blame her access to it. She should not mm-hmm. have had access to a gun uh, because this was her her third attempt, and obviously the, she completed it. Um, but if that gun hadn't been there, my mom might still be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, with, with various therapists and nothing really worked. And it just took, you know, me deciding that I'm not going to let this control my life anymore. Right. Um, I got involved in the gun violence prevention movement. And that itself 
I thought for a very long time was, was the, the catharsis that I needed. Like mm-hmm. the, it was, it felt like it was therapy in a mm-hmm. way. Uh, but the, there's also a, a consequence to that um, because you invite other people to, you know, to voice their opinion and mm-hmm. their opposition to what you stand for. And mm-hmm. then death threats happen there. Wow. So when, after January 6th, I stopped all of the public stuff that I was doing. I don't give speeches anymore. I don't, I rarely talk about my mom and her story anymore because I, I, I get my place in all this is to help other people find their voice, which I'm glad I was able to do, but I, I still got to focus on me sometimes. Mm-hmm, right? I, I got to be sane and feel safe. Even if I physically am safe, mentally, I may not. Be. Right. And I have to, I have to create that mindset for myself and I have to create the, the tools I need to cope properly. And I wasn't doing that. I thought the rage that I had was was being uh, addressed uh-huh. through my speeches and my public advocacy. But it really, in in many ways, it was. But in a lot of ways, it was really suppressing it. Um, and so when the death threats would happen, I would just get alarmed. I mean, I gave a speech at the state capitol a couple of years ago, uh, and a a man and his his partner, a woman, stood within two feet of me with their guns out. Uh-huh. And the whole time, I'm thinking like. If I could just grab it one time, right? Because, I mean, when you're, when you're a suicidal person, it doesn't always go away. Mm-hmm. Those thoughts are always there, but you have steps you can take to walk yourself out of those dark moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm speaking almost like it was like I wasn't even listening to myself. It was just second nature to me. But I was thinking about the guns the whole time. Wow. I don't want to be like that anymore. Yeah. I just want to be able to live my life, make a difference or whatever private way that I can mm-hmm. and and just enjoy uh, a nice life so have when just curiously uh talking to this therapist um mm-hmm. were you able to work through some of those feelings that you're just expressing about your mom and and the, the new way you want to behave and live your life has that helped with that oh absolutely I mean it it a lot of it for me and I'm not speaking for anybody else in, in their progress or process but for me it, i had to make choices mm-hmm. and 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 just mental choices deciding that um it's not her fault or deciding mm-hmm. that it's not my fault that she mm-hmm. completed suicide uh and just deciding you know what and i have to do this every single day i have to decide that today is going to be a good day yes. now that doesn't always work out but right. at least i'm taking the very first step in in, in declaring to myself wow. i'm gonna have a good day today um, now, again, I have fallen short far too often, you know, but I, I at least am, am trying to, to um, go through that same process every day to make sure that I, I at least start off on the right foot. Um, and, and, you know, there are some other things that he and I have talked about um, that have helped me to understand <clears throat> and let go of some of that pain. Hmm. Like, I don't need to always talk about this. Right. I don't, this doesn't this should not like I, I thought if i'm you know out there giving these passionate speeches all over the place that i'm owning this this tragedy well in, in a way that that is very true mm-hmm. but at the same time it became a situation where it was defining me mm. that's all i all i thought about mm-hmm. i don't want that yeah i don't i don't i am far more than my mother's story yeah so now i may be a a uh, that's that's a huge part of my story. Yes. Sure. I mean, it, it definitely played an integral role in how I developed. But at the same time, there's more to me than that. And I have to find that out myself, too. 
as much as I want to, to live it. I have to find it. I've just got to yeah. go do it. And that's part of what I've been doing for the last year. Wow, that, that's amazing because, you know, I, I do this patrons-only show just for listeners, and I, I often talk about this kind of thing where um, you basically have to decide. Like, I like the way you use that word, I decided, um, to, how, how to, to deal with something because that's really what it is. People don't understand that. Like, I remember one time I said, um, I was talking to a friend who felt... Uh, guilty because their parents wanted them to do something that they didn't want to do and I said you're I said you're choosing to feel guilty and they're like no I'm not you don't understand I'm like no I know what I'm talking about that's a choice you're making and 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 they had nothing to feel guilty about Um, you know I said your parents want to make you feel a certain way because they want you to do something so they're using that to make you do what they want and you're choosing to accept it. You can choose to reject it and still love them and, and mm-hmm. let them know, you know, and it was like, so when I do these shows, I mean, I certainly don't want to diminish anything um, that you've gone through. Just want to like add on to it and say, that is something I am working on myself. Obviously my circumstances are different than yours, but we all have our journey. We all have our paths and, you know, and, the, and it's, it, I just love that, you say that because I wish more people would realize that so much of what we go through is a decision and you know we can't sometimes the decision is about how to react about things that we don't have control over so you know it's like we we have control over ourselves our our, um, the way we behave and, and our actions but when when something really terrible happens or when something scary happens um you know like for instance last year my mom had an adverse reaction to some medication and she thought she might be having a heart attack or something and she was in the hospital and called me and was acting funny all day long. I knew something was up. I was trying to get a hold of her and I couldn't. And then I finally got a hold of her around six o'clock and she didn't want to tell me and she was at the emergency room and she sounded funny. She's like, what, what, I'm busy, what, what what do you want? And and I I knew something was going on and sure enough she calls again like at like i don't know nine whatever time it was and she's like okay i'm in the hospital and i need you to come here because she was she she has cats and all that so anyway that ride to her house um at this point i didn't know what was going on and for all i knew she was having a heart attack or had had Mm -hmm. some kind of life threatening situation and so I'm so close to my mom. This is literally the worst possible news I could get, you know, you know, outside of her dying. And I, so in my mind, I, I decided that I was not going to panic, that I was not, and literally it was a decision. And, and cause like I could have completely freaked out, but I told myself, I kept repeating to myself over and over again, that I handled difficult situations in a mature way. And what that did like I just kept like every freak out thought I would have I would repeat that because what it did was it kept me from spiraling out of control it didn't stop me from worrying it didn't stop me but I controlled how I felt and I I didn't let my fear you know just run away and and make me insane I I needed to be strong so it's like I just like really want to emphasize how great that is that you're doing that because it's so much of everything we do is a choice and right. you know i know your journey has just been so unique and difficult and um i'm really 
glad to hear that even though, despite that horrible situation that you had to deal with, I mean, I'm so sorry you got all those freaking death threats, but I mean, the fact that you're coming out of this um, in, a, in a more positive headspace, that's wonderful. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear it. Thank you. So there was some interesting news coming down that Remington is to pay $73 million in a settlement with families of Sandy Hook. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is a good, I guess this is a good start. Where are you on this? What do you think? I was I was surprised that they that, that happened. I had not been following uh, that story at all. I just saw the the tweets about it today, um, so I'm not I'm not exactly familiar with the the ins and outs of how it happened. Um, but I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those families have been through an absolute nightmare. I would not wish what they've been through on my worst enemy. Right, I know. Um, so I'm glad that this is happening, despite it happening. It doesn't bring their loved one back. Right. It's not going to fill the void that that tragedy is left for them. Uh, but still, this is one bit of something positive. Um, and I hope uh, it, whatever the whatever the circumstances are that, that allowed this to happen, I hope that um, the same trend follows suit where uh, guns end up in hand in the hands of those who shouldn't have it, and the way that they're marketed. Yeah. Um, yes. So that you know we stop treating um, uh, guns as a like a some kind of identifier, mm-hmm. right? Like you are patriotic because you have a right. gun. Now. Like, you're not, right? That's that is the way that we have allowed certain things to symbolize something. Like where, like if you, I, I saw someone say this the other day about how if you see a flag in front of someone's house. You might assume that that's a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. That that is mind-boggling. I know how we have allowed this to happen. We've allowed uh, the right to to just uh, like absorb the word patriotism and freedom yep. and the flag mm-hmm. and you know all of those things and and guns. Right? Mm-hmm. It, to me, it it is disgusting how these things uh, have gone the direction that that they've gone. But I hope. Uh, we are able at some point to take some of these things back and, and these things are going to be used the way that they should or the way that they are intended to be used. But uh, as far as the, the, the gun thing goes, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad those families have some semblance yeah. of relief, but it, 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 there's no amount of money in the world that could oh, no. uh, fill the void that these families have endured. No, this is, this is from the article. It says the families have also obtained and can make public, uh, can make public thousands can make public thousands of pages of internal company documents that prove Remington's wrongdoing and carry important lessons for helping to prevent future mass shootings. So I think that would be the key. Obviously money, yeah, that's going to help in a certain way, but it's certainly not going to bring back your loved ones. But if if we can prevent these, I hope this is a real strong step in the next direction we're going wherever we're going with guns mm-hmm. because as you I mean we have fetish it's like a fetish and I mean I you know I, I see people defending guns after all these school shootings and not really recognizing that you know I mean like it's fine if you want to have uh I don't know I guess it, just if you want to have a regular gun I don't know even know what they're called a revolver. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. You know, it's like we don't. Nobody needs an AK, AK forty-seven. Nobody needs an AR fifteen or whatever. I hate guns. I, you know, I just I, <laughs> I don't know very much about what you know, even their names, just because it's like war movies. I'm not a big fan of war movies, and I'm not saying that they're, mm-hmm. you know, if you like them, that's great. It's just not for me. And with guns, 
it, I can understand why somebody wants to have them for self-defense in their home, but outside of that, no. So yeah, you're absolutely right. This this ridiculous obsession with guns in this country, but maybe we can, mm -hmm. maybe we're going to start seeing, because I, I'm just wondering, and I don't know what you think about this, but we're, we've been under so much pressure for so long. And I mean, for, for eight years, we had Obama. And during those years, uh, we had to deal with Tea Party people who were kind of like what we're seeing now, just didn't have the power, didn't have the platform um, for their racism. I mean, they had the platform, but they it just it, like Trump came along and gave everybody, gave all the racists, all the misogynists, all the bigots, you know, go ahead, say whatever you want. Everybody feels emboldened now. And so even like even during the Obama administration, we were dealing with all of these particular things, these kinds mm -hmm. of bullies. And then basically the bullies got all the power. And as they've, you know, progressed, I don't even like to say that word with them, but as they've <laughs> progressed, I mean, it, it, it's like they have taken over, but I'm wondering if like we're as a country, as a collective, at what point are we going to just get sick of it? and rebel mm -hmm. against it and and then i you know i usually ask people this on my show um about the midterms like what do you think is going to happen with the midterms we've got so many things working against the democrats because we don't have this voting rights bill or these voting rights bills passed at this point but at the same time we're we're witnessing <coughs> so i mean everything is going nuts on the mm -hmm. on the Republican side, you know, there's the whole thing about the one six and and the committee and all of that. Then there's you know Trump's legal problems, which are just every day getting worse for him. Their rhetoric is getting out of control. They're they're I mean the fact that they're banning books, all of this stuff. Do you think that eventually, or at least before the midterms, that uh, we're going to finally just get sick of this and? show up how, how do you see the midterms playing out so I, I look at this a little bit differently while we may not have had the uh the john lewis voting rights uh bill turn into law mm -hmm. um, at the same time uh we still can vote i mean republicans yes. have put things in place to uh, discourage uh or dissuade people from voting and in many places uh almost prevent them from voting mm -hmm. outright whether they are reducing um uh, access to voter ID for free or reducing hours or DMVs and things like that, whatever games are playing. Uh, but Dr. King did not fight and, and die for us to get, you know, lazy and talk about, well, we don't have this thing, so we're just not going to turn out. Right? right. It's a matter of responsibility. Yeah. We, we, I look at voting as a moral imperative. I cannot wait to vote. <laughs> I don't, I don't need like, um, my hand held. I don't need to, to feel special. I don't need Joe Biden to come to my house, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't right. need all of these things to, to to go exercise my right to vote because it was just you know a generation ago when black folks weren't allowed to do so. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can, I am going to. Mm -hmm. And I, I think too many people take it for granted and treat it like it's a luxury when it's a it's a right. Right. That we we freely give away. When we act like what we did in, in in some of our prior primaries, whether it was 15, 16, or 19 and mm -hmm. 20, with the way that some of us were behaving, well, I'm not voting if my person isn't blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, I'm not voting. No. 
it, 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 it is beyond me how people think like that. I know. I get that you're all for your person and, you know, you want to go ride with them. I get that. And you're so fervent. Awesome. I'm glad you're involved. But it doesn't stop there, right? There, there are plenty of things that, that our country is impacted by when um, if your candidate doesn't win. we The game still gets played. Mm-hmm. Even if you decide not to, because if you decide not to, decisions get made for you that exactly. you're not going to like. <laughs> and I, I, I cannot stand this. I mean, Cory Booker didn't win. Right. That was my guy. That's a personal friend of mine. Yeah. Right. And but I still went and, and did the work that I needed to do to help Joe Biden get elected. I would have done the same thing with Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we are at the cusp right now of either turning things around from where they have been the last four plus years mm-hmm. or letting it sink further and further down this dark hole that I don't think any of us, including their supporters, want to go down. No, they I don't. Mean, no. The fact is, like, if you really talk to a an average American Trump supporter and ask them to explain some stuff to you, you'd find out that the things they believe in, the things that, that, that they support about Donald Trump, don't impact them the way that they think they do. Right. <laughs> so... I, that's why I think like there there is a way out of this. I, I do think it started with uh, folks not liking the fact that we had a black president for, for yes, two terms. I 100%, think that's, that's a yes. huge part of it. Yeah, I think it you know uh, Donald Trump, um, despite the fact I I do think the man is like a bumbling idiot, but I also think he is a mastermind mm-hmm. at manipulating people into getting them to do what he wants them to. And the fact yes. that people don't see that he is literally just saying the things that he knows you want to hear. Mm-hmm. It, there's no substance to it, right? Mm-hmm. I think Donald Trump became racist because racists wanted him to. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I think I think those folks, and I, I do really feel bad for them. I know I probably shouldn't, but I do because they're being duped. They're being lied to. Mm-hmm. And, and they just keep giving this man their money. Mm-hmm. But it, it, either we decide we are going to have enough and do our job and, and act responsibly and vote the way we should, or we're going to get what we deserve because the, the opposite is also true. Like like Obama told us, it, you make a choice whether you choose to vote or you choose not to. Yeah. And there are too many people who choose not to. Like in Florida, there are what, a million-plus Democrats who didn't show up to vote. I mean, we can we can do a whole lot if people just treated this as a moral obligation. If you believe in women's rights, you got to go vote. If mm-hmm. you believe in eliminating gun violence, you should go vote. If you believe in eliminating racism, go vote. Yeah, There's a I, whole lot of things we need to go vote on, and it's not a single candidate's going to be perfect. Cory Booker is not right. perfect. Hillary right. Clinton's not perfect, nor is Joe Biden. I would have fought for any of them. Me too, absolutely. And, you know, somebody said to me in the comments on Twitter, Um, when I said that, you know, Democrats failed to show up in 2010 and in 2014, and he said something Mm -hmm. like, this this commenter said something like, well, Democrats, it's not that, he didn't say they didn't give him a reason to, but he basically said that they didn't, you know, uh, go go after his vote or try to get it. And it's like... (laughs) Oh my God! Oh my Are you God. five? Oh my God! <laughs> it's like somebody needs to hold your hand through everything. The whole—you're not an adult or mature enough to recognize that it's like basically f- at this point, and even in 2010 and 2015, we knew what the or 2014, we knew what the deal was. We had eight years of George Bush. We could see the fascism train riding on in, and sure enough, they—you know—they came in in 2010 on the Tea Party, and then. We should have. We should have been. I was actually 
maybe stupidly, so <laughs> disappointed in Democrats in 2014. I couldn't believe the turnout was the worst in 80 years. And mm -hmm. I, I thought for sure, oh, we're going to get this. And, and of course, right. I was so wrong. Um, and it was, it was really, so yeah, I'm, I'm right with you, but do you have a, like, do you have a sense, a gut feeling about uh, November? Um, I'm hoping that um, we Democrats, and not even just Democrats, yes. sensible adults right. exactly. who are voting yeah. <laughs> age get out and, and go vote. Um, I think there are, um, uh, even if you want to just look at it purely from a partisan perspective, there there is an ample number of reasons why Democrats need to go vote and stop whining about stuff. And this, this to go back to your point a minute ago about um, – your your comments are saying that the Democrats that come after my vote. Yeah, they're like this this thing the way the way these narratives get spun. I think, in one way, makes people feel like they're they're smart and superior. Like they right. they they think they, they you know they think these things, but in reality, it's rarely ever what they 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 think it is. Mm -hmm. The party isn't not doing something. You may not think the party is doing enough, whatever, but you have. Two senators in each state, mm -hmm. right? Look at what what are those two senators doing? And then you have any number of uh, members uh, of the House of Representatives. What are those folks doing? Mm -hmm. That really, and then you have the president. And then you have your municipal and all mm -hmm. that. That's the way your ballot should look to you. What right, are these yeah. candidates doing? It should, like this idea, like the, the vitriol I get about being a DNC rep is not, oh God. But like, <laughs> people will say, "I hate the DNC." Like, I'm not asking you to love the DNC. Yeah, I'm asking you to go vote. When you go into that voting booth, the DNC is not on the ballot. Right. Right. <laughs> Jamie Harrison is not on the ballot. Right. I have people telling me, "Well, I don't like Nancy Pelosi." And here we are in Wisconsin. Well, you don't get to vote for her. I can't <laughs> tell Nancy right. Pelosi to do anything. I'm not her constituent. I can't go tell Chuck Schumer up in New York to do anything. He's not my senator. Yeah. You know. But people like like it's easy to, to like glob all of your, yep. your frustrations into where well, the party's not doing X, Y, and Z. Okay. Nobody is asking to vote for the party. Mm -hmm. We're asking to vote for these candidates. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it's easy to say that. It it takes hard work to do some research on a candidate. Yeah. I get that. And it's might maybe it's easy for me to say, well, if it's a Democrat, go vote for him. But there have been some cases where we've had some horrible candidates mm -hmm. as Democrats. I think in twenty twenty there was a, a Democrat down in Illinois who was anti choice. Thankfully he lost and lost to a woman. Mm -hmm. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Right. I wouldn't normally support something like that, but in that case that was a good thing to do. Right. But in, in, in general sense, I mean it, it's it really should not be as difficult as people are making it out to be. And we have, like I said earlier, a moral obligation to go out and vote. Uh, and you can advocate, you can you can still push your issue, but you have a better chance of pushing your issue with someone who is going to be on your side nine out of ten times. Exactly. Ber Hello, Bernie oh Sanders <laughs> has a, his, historically speaking, yeah. a bad record on guns. To, to the issue you raised earlier about Remington paying the 70-some mm -hmm. million dollars, mm -hmm. that really is, is what PLACA, the uh, protection for the legal commerce and arms act would would do mm -hmm. would hold these manufacturers responsible bernie was against that later came out uh when he ran for president and said well i would repeal every word of pocket good right mm -hmm. i would roll with him 
even right. though like he he had been dead set against my issue for for decades. Yeah, he's for it now. That's what I need. I have a better chance of having a receptive audience with Bernie Sanders than mm-hmm. I do with Donald Trump. Oh, so true. I wish more understood that because it's not rocket science. It's pretty easy. And we have a lot of spoiled voters, but we know that because of COVID. We have to take a quick break and we're going to be right back after this message. Hey there, it's Kimberly. If you'd like to support the Start Me Up podcast, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see all the different tiers. You can make your choice and you will have my undying gratitude. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back. Speaking of COVID... I'm curious. You have kids, right? Yes. Three. So I want to know. Oh, you have three kids. How old are they? Uh, twenty-three, uh, fourteen, and eight. Wow, that's really running the gamut there. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple questions about your kids and how they're doing in this atmosphere. But I'll start with COVID, especially your eight and your fourteen-year-old. How has mm-hmm. this pandemic been for them, and what do you think is like, what do you think their takeaway? I know that it's hard to try to figure that out at the age they are right now, but like 10 years down the road, let's just say everything's fine and democracy is saved and we have, you know, no more threat of, of anything real with COVID. Looking back on this experience as kids, because we've been hearing so many people on the right, and even Goldie Hawn was weighing in and, and saying that this is very traumatizing for kids. Have your kids been traumatized? No, not not in that regard. No, um, I mean th- there are still times now that my youngest, uh, my eight year old, when when, go, when we go to the grocery store, will put on her mask herself. Hmm. So she's not at all traumatized. I mean, in fact, like she, the way that they're when they were doing the, uh, uh, the the class from school or the class from home when they were you know doing everything remote. Mm-hmm. They, the way it kind of worked was that like you you had a block of time in front of the teacher and then you had a block of time you you're doing your work mm-hmm. but if you got all your work done you might be done by one thirty two o'clock mm-hmm. and then you got the rest of your day to, to hang out <laughs> watch youtube and tiktok and all that they, so my my 14 year old and my eight year old kind of took it as well i'm gonna get myself done quick and i mean <laughs> i have the rest of my day to go now granted they, where it did hurt them because you know they're both of their birthdays are in March, oh. so so they didn't get to have birthday parties last year, right? Right, so that that hurt, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like you know to the point where there's no trauma mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what real trauma is. Mm-hmm. They don't have that. They 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 were disappointed for you know two days out of the year. We still were able to have Christmas. The you know it was it was a reduced Christmas type of event. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving was the same, mm-hmm. but. Um, I mean, my youngest got COVID. Oh, wow. And my, my ex-wife got COVID twice. My so, son didn't get it at all. Crazy. Now, <laughs> did they get it? Were they vaccinated? So my, uh, when my, my youngest daughter and my ex-wife got it the first time, um, they, mm, I want to say my ex-wife was vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, no, she was not, not yet. I don't okay. think it came out yet. Okay. Um, um, but then the second time she had, she was vaccinated and had the booster shot. Wow. So when, but, how, how sick did your daughter get? Not sick at all. She, I think she was like the very first day she was a little sick, but then was fine. Hmm. Interesting. She didn't have, <laughs> she was, she was fine. I mean, she was still, you know, running around and being silly, playing yeah. with her reborn babies, which are <laughs> 
Um, yeah, she was fine. And with your fine. wife, when did she get really sick the first time? She got sick both times. Like really so sick? She, yes. She wow. was less sick the second time, but okay. um, she still got sick. So what happened the first time? How bad was it? She was really sick then. Um, I'm going to say it was maybe a week she was pretty bad. Wow. Uh, and Josie was only sick for like a day, but yeah, Amanda was, she was laid up for uh, at, at least a week. Uh, the second time, I think she was only laid up for maybe three days. Oh, okay. So you never got it? I did get it. I got it oh. in November of 2020. Oh, and right how before was it for Thanksgiving. Oh my God. What, uh, what was it like for you? I didn't, the only reason I knew I had it is because our uh, account executive uh, started a new initiative back then where they were having free test sites. And I was like, well, he, he asked me to tweet about it for him. So I did. I'm like, well, let me go support him and mm-hmm. actually go to one. So I, and that's the only reason I knew. Wow. Because I just went and got tested. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> now I'm thinking like, is this, a, is it a, a false positive? So right. I went and got a, another test from uh, a facility where the the national guard was running it it was it was positive hmm. and then the so i got my second positive result on monday the very next monday tested again negative wow and then that whole time i didn't get sick i didn't have a headache i didn't lose my taste my smell nothing wow nothing what a trip i stayed home but yeah. i just didn't you know because we you know this was still early this was november of 2020 so i this was like well you know felt fine i was scared mm-hmm. but and at that point I, I had not been vaccinated yet right wow and then you know wow and, and then I... my, my oldest um uh is 23 works in the uh service industry so she you know uh is a, is a bartender had never got it she's also vaccinated but she never got uh, yeah. never got it Wow, yeah, I'm in the never got it uh, category at this point, hoping to stay that way, but, you know, we'll see. I know that I always check the county uh, where I live for cases, and today was the first day it dipped down into double digits. So it's been up It's been up to like 100 and some cases per day. I think today it was at 67. And, you know, I got, <laughs> this sounds so stupid, but I got a gift card for Christmas uh, for a beauty supply store, and... I'm just dying to go there and I I haven't gone because the cases Mm -hmm. have been out of control. And I said, okay, when the cases go down to double digits, I'm off to Ulta beauty. So I know at some point (laughs) I'm going to go to Ulta beauty and get all my shit. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to it. Um, Okay. So the other thing I want to ask about your kids is Mm -hmm. what is it like for them, especially, you know, the Republicans are screaming about CRT critical race theory being taught in schools, which it is not. And they're banning books and they're behaving like crazy people because they're losing power. And I'm, I'm wondering how your children are processing all of this and do they, do they talk about it? What are their thoughts on it? They, they don't. Um, that is not something that's come up at all Interesting. Uh, at our school. So our school district is in a, it's a predominantly white area. Um, it's a predominantly white school. Um, it's the most conservative district in Wisconsin, but like for the most part, the crazy stuff really only happens at like some of the school board stuff, and the kids don't hear all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they've not had to deal with uh, that issue whatsoever. Oh, that's good. 
I'm glad to hear that they're not even thinking about that because it drives me crazy. I can't even imagine, um, you know, what that must be like for younger people. But I also want to ask you, as a black man, uh, what do you make of this rise of white supremacy? And I'm just wondering how concerned, I mean, because I'm very concerned. Um, I imagine you're very concerned too, but how concerned are you that it's going to win? And how does it affect how you behave, how you conduct yourself? What, what impression does it leave on you? What's happening right now? I mean, it, it definitely impacts me. I mean, again, as we talked about earlier about the, the January 6th stuff mm-hmm. and how I had to deal with that. Um, so I'm just mindful of where I'll go. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm worried that um, those who subscribe to racist ideology have been not just emboldened, but have been normalized yeah, to the point where yeah. it is allowed back into the public square uh, in, in, in some circles to be accepted. That's, that's yeah. the scary part to me, because the people who, who know better are allowing it to happen and they're mm-hmm. excusing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what the way that Republicans behave with Donald Trump and they they knew how unfit he was to yes. lead, uh, but they were so afraid of their base that mm-hmm. they that they just let it happen. They they know better. They absolutely yeah. know better, and you can't put that genie back in the bottle. No. <clears throat> so because of that, I mean, that's also why like I, I slowed things down for a year. Mm. Like I can't I can't fight every battle. No, right? Like it's just not. You just simply can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's going to take the strength of not just us, but of them, mm-hmm. of, of Republicans to, to really start to talk about like, you know what, this isn't really how this is. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, uh, wanting to select a, a black woman for the Supreme Court isn't racist. <laughs> no. they, when, when Ted Cruz says stupid stuff like that, all the Republicans need to speak up and say that literally isn't true. Right. We they so black folks can't fix racism. No. It's white folks who cause it, and white folks who need to fix it. Yeah. We can do. We can push y'all. Yeah. We can help y'all figure some stuff out, but it's y'all that gotta do this work. Yeah. And the fact that you don't have more Republicans who are Mitt Romney, I think, is a decent human being. I, I honestly think so. He needs to be more forceful with 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 his his uh, uh, counterparts. Yeah. And, and calling them out, and he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. They just, I think the, the the amount of courage that is required to fix some of these these ginormous ills mm-hmm. that our country is, is dealing with, Republicans just don't have the the spine to deal with it. They no. really don't. No, they don't. And uh, I mean, as a woman, it freaks me out. I, I don't like white supremacy. You know, it's funny, and I want to ask you about this too. I'm watching uh, the documentary on Bill Cosby. And, oh, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but I saw. Oh, okay. That it's available. Yet. Um, it, it's really a fantastic show. Um, mm-hmm. well, just actually moving on into that, um, I want to, you know, I, I think it would, I think you would enjoy it because it is done so well. But what I like about it is, it's it's weird that I like this about it. Basically, it highlights what Cosby did that was good, and it mm-hmm. also shows you what a premeditated monster he was behind the scenes. And, you know, I mean, it, there is no denying that he did so much good. And, you know, I mean, you know, what I was, I guess what I was going to say is, 
as a, and I've said this on the show a million times, I grew up in, I was born in 1968. So Sesame Street, The Electric Company, Free to Be You and Me. Um, Cosby was all over the place. You know, he was, he was Fat Albert. He, he was on The Electric Company. And so my expectations of growing up in an America that was presented to me as beautiful and diverse, along with parents who were not racist, I just had the expectation that we were going to continue to be a diverse country, that we would see black women presidents, that we would see Asian people as presidents, that we would just we would see people in Congress representing what the general population looked like. And um, obviously it seems like we're going in an opposite direction. Well, we're not really because the Democrats have done a great job of, of electing and appointing diversity. But um, with Cosby, though, it, it, it's such a fascinating, you know, one thing that I'll spoil and I'll give away, which isn't too much, too much of a spoil, but there, it's a four-part documentary. And so he was, obviously, he was in that show, I Spy. And I didn't know this, but black actors, if, you know, when they were hiring uh, stunt doubles, they would hire for a black person a white stunt double and literally paint them black not brown mm -hmm. they would paint them black and bill cosby was like oh no 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 mm -hmm. you're gonna hire a black person and and that actually led to the whole this whole new industry of of you know black stunt people and that wouldn't have happened without him but then on the other hand you know he was he was consistently talking about you know, he, he talked about Spanish fly. He didn't give women Spanish fly. He gave them quaaludes or he gave them something that made them forget what happened. Spanish fly is really kind of a myth and it basically gives you a UTI. But, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's amazing though because you've got this situation here where you've got this man who did so much good, not just for black people. He did so much good for the country. And it's like, I'm not a black person. I feel betrayed by him because he was America's father. He he was this man that as a little girl and through my teens, I totally trusted him. You know, I just mm -hmm. I thought he was this wonderful guy. And uh <laughs> not really. <laughs> I mean, he did no. he did some wonderful things. And then, you know, it's like how do you even deal with that? How do you deal with someone who does wonderful things on one hand and then like premeditates ongoing premeditation for rape. He was always looking for an opportunity and he always had his drugs on, you know, uh, in his pocket, just at the ready. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow, it, it just, it's just, I think it's such a good documentary. It's done so well. It's really intelligent and it's, it's very careful not to only paint him as a monster, which I think is extremely important because we have to realize, you know, I think there's some kind of a, saying that I'm going to get wrong, but it's something like, you know, uh, your, your driver, sh something about drivers never idolizing you or your butler should, is never going to idolize you because they see you up close and they know who you are. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, it's very easy. I always like, I love the Rolling Stones and I love Mick Jagger. I don't want to know too much about Mick Jagger. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> but anyway, I just, I mean, I, I just had to kind of go off on that Cosby thing because it, it's like, I've just watched, I watched the third one last night. Tonight, we're going to watch the fourth one. And it's really, really good. And it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, you watch some, um, every once in a while, they'll bring out like a, on the third one, they had a show 
the Cosby show. And so they'll show mm-hmm. scenes from the Cosby show. And it's so funny. I mean, it's like, and, you, and you're laughing along with it, even at things he's doing. Like, I couldn't bring myself to watch Cosby just on my own and watching it because I mm-hmm. know what he did. But at the same time, watching a clip in this documentary and the way that it's presented, it's like, oh my God, he was, he was a genius. He was so funny. And at the same time, he was betraying all of us. And it's just, it's so upsetting. It's just really upsetting. But going back to the white supremacy thing, do you, do you feel like, I mean, obviously what's happening in Canada, funded, these truckers are funded by American uh, white supremacists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're seeing all that's going on over there. We're seeing everything that's going on over here. Do, do, like in your gut, and I'm just asking, because I know you're not a psychic and you're not necessarily making predictions, but just, you know, as an American who's living through this, do you have a feeling either way about where this is going to go? Do you feel like good will ultimately win and we'll have a big fight first? Or, or how do you see this playing out? Well, I mean, I do think um, the good will always win. It just takes longer for it to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, Corey would always talk about the the, the arc of, of justice, um, you know, bending towards the right way. But sometimes we would jump up there and bring it down ourselves, right? We gotta we gotta yes. help that arc uh, bend more towards justice quicker. But I, I think, um, you know, what's happening, like the, the stuff in Canada, right? They, with them holding up supply chains, blocking mm-hmm. freeways, things like that. These are, these are the same people who complain. When folks like myself and others would march for yes. Dontre Hamilton, who was shot 14 times, 12 of which were in his back by a police officer. Dontre was unarmed, he was mentally unwell, and he was sleeping in a park. His mental illness has nothing to do with it anyway. Right. He just sleeps, was sleeping in a park, was doing nothing wrong, and ends up dead. We, we you know, blocked off the freeway. Mm-hmm. But yet, we are demonized. What if someone mm-hmm. needs to get to the hospital? Right. Well, what if someone needs to get to the hospital now? Y'all got trucks. We had people. Right. It was just us, right? So it, it is It is interesting. Like when, when someone has agreements about something, you know, we, we go out and protest in a, in a nonviolent way, but then you have opposition who says, well, <clears throat> not only do we not like the thing you're protesting about, we don't like how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then they turn right. around and do the very same thing. Yes. <laughs> so like, what's, what's interesting about this, though, is that they will, this is all about mask mandates. Mm-hmm. The fact that we allow the dumbest among us remain the loudest among us to like impact everybody else's daily lives is is beyond me yeah it like they it, I, I can't it, I, I can't even find the words to describe how infuriating it is that you have marjorie taylor green in congress that you have someone as dumb as that right the, the, the gazpacho police and all that stupid stuff <laughs> the loudest people have become like mm-hmm. like the be all end all because yeah. we live in like this very short attention span environment where you got to get the next tweet out you got to get the next thing on yeah. instagram or facebook out and you got to get the next blurb on fox news that's all they're doing this for right it, while the rest of us are struggling to, to make ends meet or, or mm-hmm. just to survive right mm-hmm. like i just can't imagine um how long this is not sustainable no it really isn't so we need to get to a point where the the dumbest among us need to be put back into the corner where they belong they can yell at each other where they're 10 <laughs> hats and all that stuff and I, you don't have to be a democrat or republican to be stupid right there, exactly. there are stupid people who who claim to be on our side yeah 
And I, I'm I'm sick of this stupidity. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm also sick of people saying I'm sick of the virus. No, oh my God. I know. That, when I when I hear that, my, my like my skin is crawling. I know because the, that is exactly what a pandemic requires for it to thrive. Yes. When you decide like, oh, I'm done with it. Well, good. Yeah. Because it ain't done with you yet. Yes. It's about to come back again. Yes. Uh, these people are just so dumb, and they have too much of a megaphone to the point where they are ruining. In, in some some cases, they might be killing people and not know it. Of course, yes. Yeah, my, my least favorite um, insufferable academic, Tom Nichols, is on this tear. And he said the other day something like, you know, some some people just don't want COVID to be over. And, it like, it takes everything in me not to become incredibly offensive and get myself kicked off Twitter. My father had cancer, and last year he had a heart attack, and he's in his 70s. And my niece is at his house all the time. She's seven years old. Now, Larry Hogan has lifted the mask mandate for kids, so she's not, I mean, she's vaccinated. But we all know Omicron is extremely contagious. She's going to school with all these other kids. And now my father is more at risk. And I feel, and he's a Vietnam veteran. The reason he had cancer was because he was uh, subjected to Agent Orange. And he got this really aggressive cancer in his leg. Fortunately, they got it out. And so far, Mm -hmm. knock on wood, uh, they never had to do any chemotherapy. But they, you know, they took it out and they've been monitoring him. But, you know, I mean, we hear people who get COVID are at risk of having heart issues. Well, he's got three stents in his heart and a pacemaker. And so Tom Nichols, who likes to sound like he's so fucking smart all the time, going off and saying people just want to prolong COVID. I'm so fucking angry at him. It's like I just want to scream fuck so loud. (laughs) I don't want to punch him because I'm not a violent person, but like mentally, Mm -hmm. oh my God. (laughs) So yeah, I'm right there with you. It pisses me off so much. If everybody would just understand and and take, you know, you said Democrats are not, you know, free from being stupid. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stupid Democrats out there. And there's a lot of Democrats out there who they got vaccinated and they got boosted. And they're like, I'm fine now. I can go do whatever I want and I don't need masks. And it's like, no, and they don't have to be Democrats because some of them are Republicans, too. And, you know, I mean, the responsible ones who chose to get vaccinated. Um, but the idea is, yeah, there can be breakthrough infections and there's long COVID. So let's all be careful instead of getting instead of, you know, being so entitled and whining and going, I'm sick of this virus that's killing everyone i'm just you know are you sick of cancer too are you sick of i mean at at least cancer is not contagious you know that's the thing about uh the the virus is that it's contagious and oh my god it just drives me nuts and and i'm i'm going crazy now because it's been so many years i've been very 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 cautious these two years and Mm -hmm. i have managed to you know i haven't gotten covid and I'm very fortunate because, yeah, I mean, we all take a little bit of risk. I'm fortunate that I work from home so it, and I don't have children, so it limits, you know, my risk exposure. But still, it's, I would like to avoid getting it. And, right. <laughs> you know, and it's like these people are – I think where was it, Denmark or Norway? I don't remember which country they lifted the mandate. And, of course, the, the cases are soaring. And that's what these people like Tom Nichols who thinks we should just get rid of mandates and pretend COVID doesn't exist. Well, then we're going to have the, another huge spike, and it's never going to go away. And it's mm-hmm. – oh, my God, it's making me so angry. I'm so sick and tired of being at home. 
<laughs> just like, right. so sick of it. <laughs> but the, 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 the idea, though, that um, there are people who, someone thinking that there are people who don't want this to right. end. This is that, asinine. That is rooted in, in not even ignorance. That's just dumb. It's just right? dumb. I mean, I don't, I don't want, and again, I don't wear a mask everywhere I go now. Um, and that's, I mean, if I, sometimes I, I, I do, sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would, I want to go back to whatever semblance of normal we mm-hmm. can find. Mm-hmm. I want to not have to worry about that. I want, I don't want my daughter worrying about, should I put my mask on here? Right. Should I put my mask on there? Do we need a mask in the Uber? I don't want to do that. Yeah. So to that end, yes, I'm I'm sick of it, but at the same time, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I also know we can we can get another uh, variant of some sort. Yeah. Uh, my my mother is is you know real uh, particular about COVID and things like that. Like I, I I just want us to like if you're gonna call yourself a patriot, I think you need to do the things that right. are patriotic. And part of that is, as, as Cory Booker would say, you can't say you love your country without loving the people in it. And that includes all of them, right? 100%. Even the ones you don't like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But because you're a patriot, you should want to take care of your neighbor. Yes. If you call yourself a Christian, you should want to make sure that your neighbor is is healthy and okay and not being put in harm's way like that. Too many people act like, you know, I'm a Christian only when I can use it as a weapon against yes. you, but when I need to act like it, it's like, well, you can die. Right. You know, we don't want to let these immigrants over here, even Mm -hmm. though Jesus talked about how we should welcome everybody into Israel because Mm -hmm. you were once an immigrant too, and all all those things. When it comes time to actually do the things that they talk about, it's, well, you know, freedom. Mm -hmm. How free are you in a casket? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's, I mean, it was like meatloaf, I think. He said something about. He, he wasn't going to, I don't know if he said the word freedom specifically, but he, he said that he wasn't going to be, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it did boil down to like, well, I'm not going to let people tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life the way you want. I right. want. Yeah. Well, now you're dead and I'm not right. mocking you. You know, it's like, no, I'm not either. Right? Yeah. I wish he was still here. I don't agree with his politics. Right. I don't believe he deserved to die. Right. My best exactly. friend's mother died last year from COVID. Yeah. Right? I don't want anybody no. to die from this, whether I like you or not. No one should have to suffer like that. But like, don't be dumb. Yeah, like, don't be, don't be. Stop stupid. pretending like this is freedom because it's not. No, and I, I you mean, know, I've got how many videos have we seen of those folks in uh, in the hospital on the ventilator? Yeah, uh, that are that are conservative saying, "I wish I would have done yes. something different." Yeah, yeah, and that's why I, you know, when I post about these people who say things, you know, like Sarah Palin said, "Over my dead body." What an idiot! God, she's so yes. stupid. But um. You know, any of these people who said, you know, I, I'm going to live my life free. It's like, well, you know what? I got vaccinated and I got boosted and I'm not dead. And right. and that doesn't mean I'm mocking you. It doesn't mean I'm taking any delight at all in your death. <clears throat> it means yeah. you made a stupid decision that killed you. And now people who love you are going to be grieving for however long. And it's because of the decision you made. And, you know, I mean, I've gotten shit from people. I've even gotten shit from people on the left saying, you know, like I'm taking delight in their death. I take absolutely no delight in any of this. I don't want to, just as Tom Nichols said, I don't want to prolong the COVID fucking pandemic. I, I, I want it to be over. And I'm sick and tired. I don't want to hear about more people dying from this. I don't care who they are. And unfortunately, for well... I don't want to say unfortunately, but I mean, unfortunately for the Republicans, they're killing off their own base. You know, it's like 
I don't understand the logic there. I mean, I kind of do because they're so completely screwed up. But um, I think it's pretty clear that America would like for this to be over. And the responsible way to end a pandemic, they're not interested in, you know, they're not, they don't want to follow those rules. They don't want to follow those guidelines. They just want to go la, 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 put their hands in their ears and pretend it's not happening. And that's just not the way to go. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping. There was an article that came out um, by Dr. Fauci, and he said he thinks that the worst of it is over. And so, okay, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a new variant that pops up tomorrow. Please, please no, because we're finally starting to get those numbers coming down. And as, you know, last year we had like five days, <laughs> you know, five days in June when we thought everything was going back to normal. And then here, here came, you know, here comes Delta. And then obviously on thanksgiving day i just remember on thanksgiving day the word variant was trending and i'm like oh no and (laughs) you know then it was omicron so hopefully we're hopefully we're going to be able to get through this this is the worst part and once we get through the omicron and it's coming down i'm please please let us have a nice summer and go into a decent christmas i think i saw i saw an expert talking about how we're still going to probably have issues for the holiday season but I think it's just because, you know, it's still going to be lurking around, providing there's no new variants coming up. I think we'll have the old variants lurking around, but it won't be what we saw this year. So fingers crossed for that. But anyway, um, I'm just glad that yeah, I, I, I do hope that works out that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, just again, we I would just want to get back to living, yes. you know, and, and being able to um, just have a regular life but i think this has, has taught us like how yeah how quick things can can go a direction oh, but yeah. it also has shown us though like when you don't have the right people in place yes. uh, for, for leadership how a certain thing can be turned around and turned into something this is donald trump's doing mm-hmm. yes I mean, it is. again he is a mastermind of manipulating people um but it would be the opposite Mm-hmm. If if he would have taken this seriously and be like, yo, we got to wear masks, we got to mm-hmm. have mandates, we got to do all these things, people wouldn't, he wouldn't have caught any flack about that. He could have just done the right thing, but instead he wanted to be up on the podium joking around about, you know, uh, bleach mm-hmm. and, and sunlight. Like, dude, come on. You got to take some stuff seriously. And I think, you know, the fact that he has, uh, he, he's gotten the, the vaccine and got the booster shot. He's not out there telling that because mm-hmm. he knows that people don't like it. Right. But he needs booed. to be forceful and saying, hey, I'm still alive. I'm still talking all the shit I want. I'm saying I'm giving you all the red meat you want, but you got to get vaccinated. though. Yeah. Right. Because we can't we can't make America great again if you're dead. Right. <sighs> well, let's just let's just like have this uh, thought that everything's going to go in the right direction and maybe we can manifest it. <laughs> I don't know what else. I'm I'm doing what I can physically. I am wearing masks. I'm you know staying out, not going anywhere at this point. So, um, not ridiculing anybody who does, but just figuring mm-hmm. you know what for me right now I'm going to take as many precautions because I can do it, and you know I do limit my I see my parents and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I think I think we've got some hope there with COVID, like. I think we might be on the verge of like toward the end of this thing. So we'll see what happens. Not the end of it completely, but just, you know, where it's not such a raging threat to all of us. Um, But anyway, I just want to say 
thank you so much for coming back to the show. It's been a while Absolutely. since I've talked to you and I kind of like you popped up in my feed again and I kept seeing you and I'm like, Oh, Karee, I have to have you back. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you came back and, and delighted to talk to you. Um, before I let you go, why don't you tell mm-hmm. everybody where to find you? The easiest place to find me is on Twitter. Just it's K H A R Y P. That's my my Twitter name. Um, that's the easiest place to find me. All right. Well, I have. I'm putting that in the Patreon description um, of the show, and so anybody can find that there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just go to Patreon.com/slash Start Me Up, and of course. My Twitter handle is author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. Buy my books on Amazon. Thank you, Curry, so much. I enjoy talking to you immensely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.